the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome. You are listening to Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston, New England's oldest African-American church. Hope and Faith Ministry features the inspirational sermons of my father, Dr. Wesley Roberts, Senior Pastor at People's Baptist Church. We're so glad you're here. Dr. Roberts has a powerful message of hope and love for your life and mine. Now enjoy this broadcast of Hope and Faith Ministry, brought to you from People's Baptist Church of Boston. The title of the message today is Learning the Secret of Being Contempt. Now if you can think back two months uh, ago in July, I think it's July the 22nd, I preached on the same topic, learning the secret of being content from the same scripture. And so I'm preaching on it now as part two of, um, of this message. A story is told of a king who was suffering from a very painful illness. He called in his astrologists who told him that the only cure for him was to find a contented man, get his shirt, and wear it night and day. Messengers were sent throughout the kingdom in search of such a man with orders to bring back his shirt. Months passed, and after a thorough search of the country, the messengers returned but without a shirt. Did you find a contented man in all of my realm? The king asked. Yes, O king, we found one, just one, in all of your realm, they replied. Then why did you not bring back his shirt? The king demanded. Master, the man had no shirt was the answer. You see, contentment is an inner condition which does not depend on outward circumstances. You may be as poor as a church mouse. You may be in ill health. You may be in very trying circumstances at work, at home, at church, or wherever you are, and still have contentment. The problem is that this is not the experience of most of us. We spend most of our time crying, moaning, and complaining about the circumstances and just being miserable. Some folks are known as chronic complainers. Nothing ever goes right for them. Nothing ever satisfies them. There is always a problem somewhere in their life. They're always down more than they are up. And it seems to me that Christianity offers us an approach to life 
that can take away our discontentment and cause us to enjoy the abundant life that Jesus Christ came to give to us. This approach to life is expressed in the words of the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11. And NIV says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. And in the New Century Version, that same verse says, I have learned to be satisfied with the things I have and with everything that happens. Now, the remarkable thing about this statement is that it was made by a man who was in prison. If anyone had a reason to complain and to be resentful about the way life had treated him, it certainly was the Apostle Paul, an outstanding general in the Lord's army. Paul had given up everything for the sake of the gospel. His ministry to the Gentile world is a testimony to the power of the Holy Spirit at work through him. Yet after being so mightily used by God, he had to spend his last years in a Roman prison. And he was eventually executed in Rome by by Nero. Now how would you feel if you were falsely imprisoned and ill-treated because of your love for Jesus. Some of us would become bitter and resentful towards God for allowing us to be incarcerated, but this was not the experience of Paul. Listen to him as he writes to the Christians at Philippi. In chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, he says, I want you to know, my brothers and sisters, that the things that have happened to me have really helped the progress of the gospel. As a result, the whole palace guard and all the others here know that I am in prison because I am a servant of Christ. Then in in chapter 4 and verse 6 he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And then in verses 12 and 13 of chapter 4, he says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So Paul is saying here, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Isn't this a, is, or is this a reasonable philosophy of life that we can follow? Is it possible for us to live like the Apostle Paul, being content whatever the circumstances uh, may be? Someone might very well say, but we are not Paul. We are just ordinary folk who live ordinary lives. We work hard, but have little to show for it. We try our best, but it does not seem good enough. 
how can anyone in our circumstances be content? So the question then is, what is Paul's secret of contentment? Let me give you three, three points here. First, Paul accepted life as he found it. Paul accepted life as he found it. He did not debate life, he lived it. He saw every situation, however difficult, as a challenge, not as a problem to lament. He was convinced that God had written adversity uh, into human life. Everywhere a cross is present. Every mountain has a valley. Every oasis has a desert. Every island has a lonely sea. Every rainbow has a storm cloud. And every day has a night. Because Paul had learned to accept life as he found it without complaining, he was at peace with himself and his circumstances because he knew the person who was in control of his life. In the face of bewildering misfortunes, he had learned to say, Be content, Paul. Everything will be all right because Jesus is in control. It seems to me that much of the discontentment we experience is due to the fact that we refuse to face life realistically. Somehow, we don't want to accept the fact that life can be very difficult, that life is not easy, that there are trials and problems on every side. Oh, we exhaust our energies fighting life and its circumstances rather than finding a creative uh, or finding creative ways to let our circumstances work for us. There is good to be found in every situation, no matter how painful or difficult it may be. I recall some years ago watching the TV program 2020 hosted by Barbara Walters and Hugh Downs, which featured, in living color, an African-American comedy show. Keenan Ivory Wayans, the writer, director, and producer, used the black experience, its pain, its tragedies, its stereotypes, and its humor to create a very successful TV comedy. The Wayans family of 10 children were brought up in the projects of New York City. Keenan said that what they were doing in the show that was being aired began at home in the projects. He said while they were young, they learned to use humor as a way of surviving poverty. They were constantly making jokes and impersonating one another. Home for them was a place filled with laughter. Had they spent their youth angry at their circumstances, complaining all the time, they would not have had the time or the opportunity to develop their humor, uh, which um, gave them much wealth. All of us here have a choice about how we are going to handle the business of life. 
business of living. We can either let anger, discontent, and self-pity defeat us, or we can view the difficult experiences of life as a challenge. It is so sad to see Christians giving in to self-pity with frequent comments like, It's just my luck. Nothing ever turns out right for me. Or nobody understands me. Nobody has been treated more unfairly than I have been. I can't handle this any longer. Death would be better than what I have to deal with. You see, Christianity nowhere promises that life will be without hardship, without struggle. In fact, Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 16 and and verse 33, says, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. You see, Jesus does not make you believe that all is well when all is not well. He does not offer a health and wealth gospel. A name and claim it gospel. He offers a gospel which is tough, which which faces the critical problems of life. Knowing that God is in control and uh, he uh, does not, will not allow things to happen which will destroy us. But he gives permission uh, to uh, whatever, whoever wants to to defeat us because he knows that we will um, have the victory eventually. So Jesus urges us to face the facts of life, to expect suffering, trials, and even death. Is whether you are a Christian or not, somewhere in the past you have made a wrong turn. Somewhere in the past you have erred, erred in judgment. It is all clear now. And if you had the decision to make again, you would make a different choice. Because you failed along the way or made a wrong choice, You need not go on punishing yourself and feeling defeated. God forgives every sin and he gives us not just another chance, but as many chances as we need in order to make things right. So move on with your life in spite of your failures, your disappointments, and the problems encountered along the way. When was an oak tree ever made without storms? When was a rainbow without a storm cloud? When was a dawn without a night or a resurrection without Calvary? And so we have seen that um, Paul accepted life as he found it. But secondly, uh, Paul never lost sight of the spiritual values present in the ordinary experiences of life. Four walls did not make a prison for him. They provided him with a pulpit from which he could preach the gospel to 
the people in Rome. His years in prison did not close the door to usefulness, but rather became an open door to a greater influence. Because it was while he was in prison that he wrote the prison epistles, of which Philippians is one of them. And we know how, how blessed we are just to, just to read that encouraging letter where he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Is he was so certain that every experience in life had in it possibilities of good beyond what he could see that when he became an old man, though in prison, he could say in verses uh, 4, in, in, in Philippians chapter 4 and verse, and verse 12, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. You see, when we look at life through the eyes of faith, we will not allow any situation to defeat us but we'll see opportunities that will work for us. I've used this illustration. I often don't use personal illustrations. But um, as some of you know, that I was a student for 13 years after high school. Each day I bent over the books, attended lectures, and burnt the midnight oil. There was little excitement about the long days and nights, the uh, deadlines, the sometimes boring lectures, the pressure of examinations, the anxiety about getting good grades, and uh, leaving, having to leave my wife and two young children. And Carolyn, our second child, was only six weeks old when I left for 10 months uh, to do research in, in Jamaica and London. There were some students who dropped out of the doctoral program because they were not willing to make the personal sacrifices needed to succeed. But I had learned that nothing worthwhile in life comes without hard work. I learned that success requires discipline. I had faith that if there was toil, there would be reward. And if there was sowing, there would be reaping. And so I endured the difficulties, knowing that God would honor my commitment to him in getting the kind of education that would allow me to be his servant in proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I knew and at the right time, he came through and provided the opportunity. He knew long before I was even born that there was a place called People's Baptist Church, a church called People's Baptist Church, that I was preparing myself to be the pastor. He knew that I would um, be uh, on the faculty at Gordon Conwell Seminary. And all of the, these things, now that I look back, I can see that God um, had already mapped out a plan for my life. 
and all I had to do was to follow that plan. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amen. But Paul, in the third point, never failed to see life in terms of God. He never failed to see life in terms of God. The assurance that the arms of a loving God were underneath and round about him never left his mind. He believed that God had something to do with the events of his life. And so listen to his testimony in Romans chapter 8, 28 and 29. He says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. And then writing from prison in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21, he says, For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. You see, he never lost sight of God's power. He was convinced that God ruled and overruled the affairs of men. Brothers and sisters, God's control and involvement in the affairs of your life is the basis for contentment. God is still on the throne and he will remember his own. All power is in his hands to turn our tragedies into triumph, uh, to turn our sorrows into joy, our darkness into light, and our night into day. When we come to the realization that God is in control of every situation in which we find ourselves, we shall face each day with um, courage and faith. Look back over your life, my brothers and sisters. Run the fingers of memory along the experiences of the past. Can you not see that everything fits into the divine plan for your life? The divine plan for your life is being worked out perfectly. If you can't see it, then because you are not in touch with God. But as, as you relate to him, you can begin to see his hand at work. Uh, in taking all of the things that have happened in your life and working them out to fulfill his plan for your life. He said, life is a race. Don't complain if the course is rough and the goal is distant. One day you shall reach it. Life is a voyage. Don't complain if the storms batter your vessel. One day you shall reach the safe haven. Life is a pilgrimage. Don't falter on the road through through self-pity because stones cut your feet and leave your blood along the trail. We can learn to be content in every situation for there's nothing that Jesus cannot handle. If you have a problem, he has the solution. If you have a question, he has the answer. If you have a disease, he has a cure. If you have a crisis, he has the needed miracle. If you have a thorn in the flesh, he has sufficient grace. 
Whatever you may need, Jesus has it. If you need assurance, he has it. If you need inspiration, he has it. If you need courage, he has it. If you need comfort, he has it. If you need peace, he has it. If you need a blessing, he has it. He can do whatever needs to be done. If you need deliverance from drugs or alcohol, from lust or bad temper, Jesus can do it. If you need motivation, if you need your priorities adjusted, and if you need an attitude adjustment, Jesus can do that also. Nobody can like Jesus can. His ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. His wisdom is above our wisdom. And his methods are above our methods. And Jesus can not only do what we need to enable us to live lives of contentment, but he is what we need. We need a savior to save us from sin. We need a divine physician to heal us of our illnesses. We need a refuge in which to hide during the storms of life. We need an ever-present help in our time of desperation. We need a way through the wilderness of this present world. We need a light to guide and direct our footsteps. And we need a friend that will stick closer than a brother. And all of this Jesus is. Our ancestors used to speak of Jesus as sin bearer, name changer, heart healer, need supplier, sorrow sharer, burden bearer, company keeper, joy giver, and way maker. See, because of who Jesus is, we can learn to be content, whatever the circumstances. And in the words of the Apostle Paul, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us here at Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston. We pray that you have been touched and inspired by today's message. People's Baptist Church is a Christ-centered, caring church located at 134 Camden Street at the corner of Camden and Tremont Streets. Our Sunday services are at 8 a.m. and at 1045 a.m. You can reach us at 617-427-0424. Come visit us in person or on the web at www.pbcboston.org. And tune in every Saturday morning at 1030 for another inspiring message of hope and faith. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.